Hello. 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 Oh, okay. You're there. I don't know why. I, I couldn't see where, where do I change the preferences from an inactive. Ah. Yeah, well, Where's, somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was inactive, although there you go. it's probably not a bad description for a Monday morning. <laughs> How was your golf the other day? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, yeah, that was Friday afternoon. Yep, lovely. That's good. Well, this is uh, QAV for Monday, the 29th of June, 2020. I'm back in Brisbane. Let's get on with the show for this week. We we do have some questions. We've got some journal entries to talk about. But as you reminded me off air just before, after we interviewed Tobias Carlyle uh, last week, which hasn't gone out yet, I will get that interview out next week and I'll get the Elio one out today now that I've got time to sit and edit. Um... Uh, you and I were talking after we interviewed Tobias from the Acquirers Multiple about uh, why QAV seems to perform better than many of the other, even uh, value investors that we talk to. As people, as you'll see when you hear the Tobias interview <laughs> towards the end of it, and it was a terrific interview, like a lovely guy from Brisbane originally, based in the west coast of the US now. Had a great chat. But when I asked him, like, uh, you know, what's it like being a value investor right now? Um, he sounded miserable. <laughs> he what said, did he, he, say? Just, he, said uh, he, he said something about going and seeing his wife. If he ever went to see his wife and started crying, she had to remind him not to be a value <laughs> investor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which was funny because I expected him to go, oh, it's great, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, it's always good. There's always opportunities. You just got to turn over the rocks. He was like, I just cry on my podcast <laughs> about it. <clears throat> so you and I were talking afterwards um, about what is it that makes QA different from the other value investing methodologies out there? Because obviously there's a lot of different ways you can skin a value investing cat. And, you know, we sort of concluded that it might be the three-point trend lines that we all yeah. love so yeah. much. Well, I think in particular with Oliver, uh, with uh, sorry, um, Tobias, which we'll hear about when it goes out, he rebalanced, So, and which is what a lot of fund managers do. But he was doing it so that I think every quarter he was selling the bottom end of his, his watch list and buying the top end again. So... His re- reasoning for do that to do that was to give new investors access to his best ideas. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I think, and he was doing it quarterly. I think that rebalancing was what was costing him his performance, because uh, you know what, the difference between that and what we do is that we hold on to something and give it plenty of time to become popular and therefore keep going up. So there was that. But but like underpinning that is the fact that we only sell if there's you know material change in the. In the outlook, or the or the numbers, or uh, there's a three point sell line. So I think that's the big difference. Yeah, but also you do have that sell line in there as a stop loss. You won't just let things yeah. fall forever just because you've declared that there's underlying quality there. Yeah, and I was I went back and reread the Acquirers Multiple, which isn't a, a long book to read, and I recommend it to people. Because it also has a good summary of uh, how the value investors Hello? in there. Sorry, you just yeah. dro- you dropped oh, down for a second. You said you went oh, back and reread it. Went back and reread the Acquirers Multiple, which is a short read, uh, uh, hold on. and it's good to read. Be- oh, what's wrong? Hello. Yeah. 
Sorry, you, either you're dropping out or my headphones are dropping out. I don't know. You, can oh, you hear sorry. me? Okay. Well, I'm, yes, I can hear you. And my call recorder is saying it's picking up the mic at my end. So I guess I'm working at my end. Yeah. Yeah. No, you just dropped out for a couple of times there, bizarrely. So try that again. You said um, you went back and reread it. Yeah. So I reread the acquirers multiple prior to talking with Tobias and. It's a good read. It's only a short read, uh, and it is a good summary of other notable value investors, so it's worth reading. Uh, but uh, what it was saying was that value investors typically will buy a stock regardless of whether it's a falling knife or not, and then mm. hold on to it and wait for it to turn around. And, and that was another thing that I thought was very different to what I do. And, and to me, it doesn't make much sense because um, you know if you thought something was worth buying at a price but the price was dropping why wouldn't you wait for it to to drop even further um, the best time to buy a falling knife is when it bounces off the bottom off the ground so you, know, <laughs> you wait for a clear uptrend before you buy which i think value investors f- sometimes find that view heretical yeah you're so <laughs> <laughs> well they're, they're they're locked into this idea of being a contrarian investor i think it's right. almost you know some value investors like the fact the stock price is unloved and going down they think it's great <laughs> and they and they think that you know that makes them very smart but uh i forget now where i read something recently uh, anyway um <clears throat> someone was talking about the fact that it's very very hard to be a contrarian investor the stock market's picked over that much that you know to go against the herd is a rare and b you probably means you have some kind of information which isn't freely available so as much as i like being contrarian it tends to be thematically so like you know coal stocks are unloved we'll buy coal stocks because the numbers are compelling or whatever but i do like to use the trend lines for that bit of insurance that we're not buying something which is going down and we're not holding on to something for too long Mm. 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 Yeah, so, I mean, and the other thing that I got out of Tobias's uh, chat with Tobias, and, and I've and I've gathered this from other things said by uh, and about value investing over the last 18 months is, you know, people say, well, a value, and I think Tobias said, well, value investing tends to do really great for five years, and then it does really bad for five years. And then it does really great for another five, it's cyclical, right? And in those bad five years, when there's a bull market and everyone's buying growth stocks, momentum stocks, then you just you just hold on and cry into your beer and, and, <laughs> and, and believe, you know, trust in the fact that it'll come good again when the bull market runs out of steam and the cycle turns again. But that's not, <laughs> that's not your experience, right? No. You, Look, I, 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 would, I could point to maybe two times in my investing career where that's been the truth. And the big one was leading up into the dot-com bubble and it was a bubble right so there was uh, lots of things were overvalued and it was harder to find undervalued uh, value companies but even then i was still buying and investing so you can still do it through that cycle Um, and then the other time has probably been in the last year or two when something similar is happening but you know partly for uh, the fact that um, internet stocks are in vogue again but also i think partly because interest rates are so low and and the central banks keep propping up you know, uh, investments generally, but the stock market in particular. So I think it might be different when interest rates start to rise. But but even so, like I'm, we're still finding plenty of stuff to invest in. So uh, and yeah, I, I didn't quite buy into Tobias's argument. 
the other thing that I, the other sense that I got from Tobias is when he's saying value investing's not performing for say that five years, he's not talking about it's not performing. It's not like you're not getting your 18, 19, 20%. It's mm. not performing compared to the performance of the momentum stocks. Correct. It's underperforming relatively rather not, than objectively. Yes, but not yeah. relative to the index, relative mm-hmm. to the highest performing stocks. Correct, yeah. Right. So if, if, you're try, if you you know, want your portfolio to perform every year at the same level as the best performing stocks or portfolios do that year, you may have years of disappointment. If you're just trying to get double the index every on average every year, mm-hmm. then by that criterion, value investing does well year in, year out, if you're doing it properly. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's right. And and the problem with what uh you know, if you think about that further is if you if you chop and change your style, like say you decide to be a value investor when the market's down and then you change to a growth investor when the market's up, uh, you, you're invariably going to miss those turning points and you know be out of sync with the market because to know that this is now a cycle when growth is doing well, you probably need at least 12 months, maybe 18 months of performance to say, okay, growth's doing well now. And if the cycle only lasts two years, you're late to the party. So, yeah, you know, there's a there's a problem in chopping and changing, and also I think it just gets back to your fundamental philosophy as mm. an investor. Am I an investor or am I a punter? Okay. A speculator. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and and what I like about the way that you do it is it's oh my god, Fox is moving furniture <laughs> out there. Hold on a second. <laughs> We stopped in and visited my sister Anita at, um, you know, near Byron Bay on the way back yesterday, and she gave him a belated birthday present, and it's like these uh, um, night goggles. So he's in the bathroom with the lights off. He's dragged a chair in that he's pushing around. He's building some fort in the dark in the bathroom where there's no light gets in, and with his night goggles, and God knows what's going on in there. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. So he's on holiday. Is he on school holidays? Now, yeah, school holiday starts today here. So, so, so you yeah. could have gone to Melbourne and gone back into quarantine. <laughs> Doesn't make any difference. Well, we wouldn't have gone back till next week, and then there would have okay. been another two weeks. So, yeah, yeah, right. He would have missed two weeks of school after the holidays. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's the philosophy. You know what? The hmm. thing I like about how you play this game is uh, you you have a long term view as an investor looking for quality and value, and don't try and ride the trends, and don't try don't yeah. gamble. It's not speculation, and it just seems you know long term more reliable and consistent. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Play the long game. Have a hmm. philosophy. Hmm. Yep. 
But mm. but coming back, so a couple of things that, that for me anyway was the learning that when they say when people like to buy say that uh, value investing doesn't perform well, it's comparative to the high end. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just looking for your twenty percent year in year out. Um, solid, reliable, low effort, low risk, low anxiety, low stress, then it's going to do fine. And B, the three-point trend lines, knowing when to buy in and when to sell probably has a lot to do with uh, the performance as well. I think so, very definitely, yeah. Yep. And I think the other point to make is, I think it was Steve Mab which sent us uh, a, a document or an article about is it S&P or someone like that puts out an index of different styles of investing so there's a value index and there's a tech index and there's a growth index and a momentum index and we had a look at those the stocks that they include in the value index and they're not they're not value stocks it's just yeah, I don't know what their uh, their uh, rules are for including them I think it was things like low PE but you know they were including the banks and they were including uh some of the retailers and stuff like that, which you know we they don't form part of our value investing universe. Yeah, when they for, um, what, what they call a, what they call a value stock and what you call a value stock are going to yeah. be very different. And one of the other things that yeah. struck me too is when you said before that uh, hard to be contrarian because everything has gone over, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you think there's a difference between the U.S. market and the Australian market for value investors? Is Australia sort of a little bit less? Uh, tapped by value investors oh gee I, I couldn't really say I, I would have thought they're about the same okay um, Australia does have such a high ownership of shares that there is a lot of there is a lot of um, effort gone into managing funds here because of superannuation so I would have thought if anything it might be that we're even you know the stock market here is even more scrutinized than, than the US Right. Because uh, there's a lot more stocks over there. Right. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, if everyone's focusing on the, the internet stocks in particular, that leaves a lot of room to find other stocks that aren't so loved mm. in that market. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. Oh, well, people can hear that interview next week when it comes out. Uh, but, yeah, mm. lo- lovely chat. Love to get him back on. Um, and, uh, you know, we should go over there and hang out with him when uh, we're allowed <laughs> to travel. Which looks like being at the earliest second half of next year now, according to the Qantas CEO. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the way it's going over there, I think that's optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I see the EU has said they're not going to let Americans in when they open their borders uh, <laughs> today. So, yeah, anyway, it's getting worse over there, not getting better. It is, isn't it? Gee. Highest number of uh, cases reported in a single day yesterday in the U.S., 40,000 cases in a day. Wow. Hmm. Anywho. Um, All right, let's talk about journal entries over the last week, TK. 24th of June, you said ADH reached its buy price. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about ADH. Okay, ADHs. What do they do? They're a chain of uh, shops that sell linen and bedding and uh, materials. Uh, pillows, that kind of thing. Manchester, I guess you'd call it. Or my mum would have called it (laughs) in the old days. Uh, Yeah, so um, retailer um, does have some homewares as well. Uh, You'd think it would be a fairly sort of staid sort of company because it's a fairly niche market, but um, it's been doing well, particularly during COVID and the lockdown. So people are still... 
as, as have a lot of other retailers dealing with uh, homewares. I know Nick Scarly has <clears throat> gone up. It's a furniture retailer. And now Adairs is going up. So people, I think, because they're working from home, they're going, gee, I really should change this or that and make it a bit more livable. It's working for them. But, but all that aside, I mean, what the numbers are telling us is that uh, <clears throat> it scores well on our checklist and uh, it's just reached the three-point buy buy price so i set up a stock doctor alert for it recently and it's now gone past that and i hasten to add that the i know the u.s market was down a couple of percentage points on friday so it's quite possible adairs goes back down below its its three-point buy price today so we'll have to watch it now i've got the chart in front of me and if i whack my ruler up i'm sort of uh starting on the 31st of july 2015 $2.79 and then if I use the rightmost peak, it's uh, 28th of February, 2020, $2.42. Mm-hmm. My buy price isn't coming in until sort of, I don't know, $2.40. And it's two twenty-five today. So what am I doing different to you? Yeah, what you're doing different, and this is probably a fudge, is that that leftmost high peak I actually ignored. And the reason for that is that it's going to go away next month uh, as, the, as the chart scrolls to the left. So I used... Hey? The fudge. We've, the fudge got a new, yeah. we've, got a, we've got a new entry in the uh, three-point trend line Bible, the fudge. Yeah, as if it's not hard enough already. <laughs> well, hard enough for people listening anyway. I, See, that's I why... You know, that's why people need to keep subscribing because, <laughs> you know, we were... Yeah, we'll teach them how to make fudge now. We were debating this over dinner in Sydney and, you know, I was saying, oh, I don't think the checklist or your journal entries are really the thing that people, you know, are paying for. What they're paying for in the club subscription is to, you know, to tune in and hear you uh, talk each week and, and, and to get to hear what you're thinking about. I, I, to me, that's... The value, and uh, this is it. It's because you make shit up each week. It's oh, I got the fudge now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the fudge, yeah, no, exactly. Right. Oh gosh. So it's going to drop off. So you're starting where then? Uh, your second point. So September eighteen at two sixty, and then my second point was February twenty twenty at two forty two. Hold on a second. What about uh, November 2015? Oh, they're all 260. September 2016, 260. And September 18, 260. Right, so they're all yep. 260. Three 260s yep. there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's, a, there's an indicator. And, yeah, <laughs> you could also use those and be very conservative and wait for it to reach 260 as well. So you're starting September 18 at 260 and then going through mm-hmm. February 20 um, and then getting your buy line. Yeah, I'm just it looking still, at it now, though. It looks like it's in, retreated a bit. still mm-hmm. comes in way higher than 225, though. It still comes in yeah. in the same place. Let me have a look at my, uh, at my spreadsheet lower. as to why I said that. comes in slightly lower, but it still comes in around 240, I reckon. Yeah, I've got two thirty-seven. So I'm, yeah. I'm guessing the price has dropped ten cents since I raised the stock journal. Ah, <clears throat> uh, okay. So let me just have a look at the, um, the dailies. At the dailies, yeah, yeah, or even the weekly. Yeah, it's dropped back a lot. Right. Oh yeah, it was up. Oh. 
Well, 226 is saying here, so... Yeah, 230. Yeah. That is on the 26th of June. So it would have been... Well, I can yeah. assure you I definitely got a, a stock doctor alert saying it reached 237. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's dropped back again now, so I wouldn't be buying it at the moment. Yeah, we'll two, see, where it, see where it drops back to. On the 23rd of June, $2.39. There you go. Right. But it's dropped back a bit since then. It's back okay. to 225 yeah. <clears throat> so if I had a boil and started buying on the... Whether it was 23rd of June, I'd be stopping now and just seeing what happens. Right. Mm. Well, there you go, boys and girls, the fudge and the drop mm -hmm. back. <laughs> <laughs> These are yes, all it's... upcoming episodes of Seinfeld that uh, are being written. Hey. <laughs> Hate the fudge. Love the fudge. <laughs> this fudge is making me thirsty. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. What about WSA Western Areas? Uh, I think Western Areas, I just raised the, rose, um, raised the price alert in Stock Doctor for that one, didn't I? You did, of uh, $3.03. Yeah. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. Let me just get back yep, to five. And that's based on it's a pretty obvious high point here, sixth of uh, June uh, two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, at three fifty six, and the second high point is thirty first of October two thousand and nineteen at three twenty one. So Western areas, Australian based nickel sulfide explorer and producer. Mm hmm. And, uh, oh, excuse me, hold, hold on. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I'm just going to take a drink of water. Yeah, you've been coughing a bit this morning. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. <clears throat> Must be getting COVID. Don't just the thought even, of going to Melbourne. Don't even <laughs> joke about that. So um, they own two operating mines, Flying Fox and Spotted Quoll. <laughs> I love their mine naming strategy there yeah. okay so you've run these guys through the filter we haven't done a full filter analysis for a long time we should do one i miss i miss doing our full analysis well let's do let's do cia because that was the other journal entry which um wasn't that last week yeah did we talk about champion iron last week we did yeah oh did we sorry okay mm. okay Okay, so Western Areas, you you ran it through the filter and it passed and you put a buy price alert in of $3.03.9. Yeah. And I know that nickel, nickel as a commodity um, started to rise and I think that's on the basis of it being used in electric car batteries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's possible that we'll see Western Areas become a buy soon. Right. Okay. Jolly good. Moving on, journal entry 27th of June, you uh, quoted this uh, Ralph Wanger piece <laughs> in Straw Man. He, he was in Seinfeld too, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, he said there's, there's an exciting... Hey, Jerry, have you seen Wanger lately? <laughs> there's a... Uh, there's an excitable dog on a very long leash in New York City darting randomly in every direction. The dog's owner is walking from Columbus Circle through Central Park to the Metropolitan Museum. 
At any one moment, there is no predicting which way the pooch will lurch, but in the long run, you know he's heading northeast at an average speed of three miles per hour. What is astonishing is that almost all of the dog watchers, big and small, seem to have their eye on the dog and not the owner. The dog, of course, refers to the daily movement of a company's share price, with the owner being the underlying business, and we dog watchers are depressingly guilty as charged. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was a good analogy for the market. Watching which way it darts back and forwards instead of focusing on the long term. Right, yeah. Mm. Very good. Mm. So, your other entries for the 27th, which was on the weekend, I think. It was Saturday. Um, SFR passed its buy price, you said. Right. Let's have a Let's look, have at, look S- at that one. Uh, SFR. Sapphire. So, Sapphire Resources. We've looked at these guys in the past, I remember. Yeah, and I've owned them in the past as well, but they have gone down a lot lately, but they're back right. up. So mm. they're at 5.14 today. Is that a current? Yes. That's still from last week, though. Oh, it is, yeah. So, so they might open lower. Um, what was my buy price on Sandfire? Let me just have a quick look. Now, this is an interesting $5, $5. chart to do. You've got a real jagged... Uh, mm down line here um obviously the high point we're talking june 2018 at nine dollars 17 what would you use as your second point here would you use february 2019 or september 2018 you're going to get a very steep line if you use that no i i well you can you can use those ones the next right highest peak but then you sort of go through a whole buy and sell line process on the way down mm. so i used uh september 19 at 656 as the second point on my chart right why that one and not say december 19 yeah so you could um the they are very close yeah the line almost goes through both of those two points the September the where is it now the September nineteen line was had a peak that was slightly above the line if you drew it through December nineteen and so I use that one as being the the two points that don't have a third point crossing them I guess is the way to look at it. Right, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. Yep. And so that would get you in about four dollars ninety as a buy price, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I had $5. Right. Okay. Hmm. Copper. So we can go through. Do you want to go through the checklist on Samfire? Yeah, let's do that. Although, okay, the way we're doing it now. we got time because there's other questions coming up too, isn't there? Yeah. How long are we into this? Oh, 30 minutes. No, we don't have time to do that. Yeah, no, let's skip it. Okay, we, should, well, we can we do should, one next week then. Yeah, we should, yeah. Uh, let us know, folks, if you want us to do more watch lists. And I know particularly for the new people, they might be interested in that. But then again, I think, look, we've done a million episodes where we've gone through the checklist. Um, so, I don't know. Is there any value in doing more of those? Do you want to just go back and re-listen to the old ones if you're trying <laughs> to understand how it works? Let me know. Um, and just again a reminder for new people um, go back and listen to that first season 
if you want uh, uh, to hear us break down the the checklist slowly and uh, in painstaking mm. levels of detail. There's 50 episodes in season one where we do that. So, you know, you can go back and listen to those. You, you, they're, they're valid for in terms of uh, uh, going through the process of learning how to do a checklist. The numbers, if you're doing it alongside, the numbers are going to be different. But, um, you know, you get an understanding of the process by going back and listening to those, I think. But if you want us to do more, let us know. Well, that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. For our premium club members, there was another hour, I think, of Q&A, 50 minutes to an hour, something like that. If you're brand new, there is a free episode and a premium episode each week. Um, and the premium episodes, yeah, just part of the, the benefits of being a QAV club member, you also get access to the checklist and the, the getting started guide and asking Tony questions and to come to our dinners like we had in Sydney last week and uh, all that kind of stuff. So if you want to check that out, go up to the website, qavpodcast.com.au. Register for a two-week free trial, check out all the benefits and the premium extras and uh, see if it's re- right for you. Uh, otherwise, uh, I always say, particularly for our new members, please remember this isn't financial advice. Don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. We're not financial advisors. If you need financial advice, go see a financial advisor. We're just here to teach and talk about how one guy, Tony Kynaston, invests and, and to teach his methodology. That's all. With that, good luck. Stay safe, particularly those folks down in Victoria. And uh, we'll be back next week. Cheers. Cheers.